Hi guys, thank you for listening to me today. For those of you who don't know me, my name is Victoria and welcome to my podcast, Survival Mode. I imagine that this episode is probably the one that has been weighted on the most with me starting a podcast in the first place. So before I even start this, I'm going to advise of some really heavy trigger warnings mainly being centered around addiction and, of course, loss itself, as always. So if addiction is a triggering topic or you're a recovering addict and hearing others' stories may trigger you, I highly, highly advise for you to stop listening right now and just catch me on the next episode. But if you feel that you'll be okay listening in, then let's get this started. I went into this podcast ready to tell my story and to help others, and then I thought about having to tell my story with Jordan, the bad parts included. And I'm not going to lie, it made me feel a little scared to remember it all, but in the grand scheme of things, I have a feeling that this is going to help educate others and possibly even heal me a little more on my own journey. I'm going to start from the beginning because in order to give the full picture of the whys and the hows behind things, I feel it's necessary to include every detail. Jordan and I technically met in 2015. He was dating a girl from my high school at the time and our mutual friend had a baby shower and he was there, which if you know Jordan, that's not very shocking for him. I had known of him prior because of his car, which was a souped-up G8 that he adored, and that was actually the first thing I noticed in the parking lot that day because I had to park on the grass next to him because he was taking up two spots. He had added me on Facebook shortly after that, and I had a boyfriend at the time, so I didn't really think anything of it. And then in 2017, he poked me on Facebook, and He claimed at the time it was an accident when he messaged me, but later on he said he wanted to see if I would poke him back. In 2018, I had just gotten out of a really toxic and abusive relationship, and I kept seeing really relatable and sad tweets from Jordan on Twitter, so I kept favoriting them in hopes he would notice me, also because it was so relatable to my own life, and he took the bait and he did. After following me on Twitter, he found me on Instagram and followed me there too, and as soon as I followed him back, he sent me a message asking if he knew me from somewhere, which he was referring to the baby shower years prior. At the end of our short conversation on Instagram, he asked me to get a drink with him sometime, and of course, I was silently screaming inside because I thought he was the hottest man to walk the earth, but I just played it cool and said I would let him know. I believe that conversation took place in June of 2018, and over the course of that summer, we would small talk here and there, and he would always ask me out, but besides being newly single, I was also really nervous to meet him. He intimidated me because he was that attractive to me. We exchanged Snapchats in August, and again, we would always small talk, but nothing crazy outside of just flirting. In October of that year, we exchanged numbers finally, and we started talking more and more every day. I remember the first time I ever texted him, he sent me a screenshot of him saving my name in his phone as V my baby with a bunch of emojis, and still to this day, my name is that in his phone. 
the night before Thanksgiving of that year, I went out with one of my best friends and we got really, really drunk. And one of the people I was with ended up taking my phone and called Jordan because he was the last person I was texting. I think it was like one in the morning and they were telling Jordan to come get me. And all I kept thinking was I'm wasted. I'm a mess. And there's absolutely no way he can see me right now. Long story short, I was in downtown Detroit and Jordan was in Macomb. He was already driving like midway before I texted him and I apologized and told him that I was just going home and that he should stay home too. The next morning, I woke up with an awful hangover and I saw our conversation from the night before and instantly I was like, oh my god, I need to apologize to this man for wasting his time. Like, I legit said, I totally understand if you never want to speak to me again. Happy Thanksgiving. And that was it. To my surprise, he texted me back and he also invited me out the next night. So this time I was like, okay, V, get it together and just meet up with this poor man who has literally been trying for six months to see you. So the next night off I went and the second I got out of my car at his dad's house where he was living, he gave me the biggest hug. And we just acted like we had been best friends our whole life. Nothing was ever awkward or weird. And I felt like I could be me the entire night we were together. We ended up going to a few places with his friends at the time and then went our separate ways when the night ended. I remember thinking when I got home, like, there's no way this is real. Five minutes later, he texted me and asked to see me the very next day. So for the following month, Jordan and I were apart from each other maybe two nights total. I lived in Detroit at the time and he was in Macomb, but I worked close to his house so I would always stay the night with him and just go to work from there. I basically lived at his dad's house, which I worked so much at that time, I don't think his dad or stepmom ever really noticed me anyway. But we met each other's friends and parents pretty quickly and then on New Year's Eve, he asked me to officially be his girlfriend right as the ball dropped. Going into this relationship, Jordan had confided to me that he was in recovery from drugs. I didn't really bat an eye at that info because I didn't really understand drugs at the time and he didn't say he was actively using. And to be honest, I literally knew nothing about them besides they were bad. I ended up renting an apartment in February of 2019 between his dad's house and my parents so I could see him more easily and not have to continuously drive back and forth every day. I remember the day that I got my keys, I picked Jordan up from his house and I went to the bathroom before we left to go to the apartment. I came back out to my car being packed with things and I asked him if he was moving in with me and he said, no, I'm just bringing things to have when I stay there. I didn't think anything of it and I was like, okay, no big deal. Well, let's just say he never left that apartment again after that night. A few weeks into living together, I was at work when I received a text from mine and Jordan's best friend. She had gone to our apartment to visit him and see the place, and she walked in to surprise him, but instead got surprised herself. Jordan had at some point relapsed, and she caught him snorting heroin in our walk-in closet. The video she sent to me showed him after the fact, and you could see the drug hit his body. He was kneeling on the floor and clapping, and that's just an image that I have never been able to get out of my head since. Right after sending the video to me, she called me and told me the truth about Jordan's past and that she knew he had actively been using again. 
Now, again, I had no idea what drugs even really were. Heroin was a foreign substance to me, and I couldn't even tell you the first thing about it back then. I immediately left work and raced to our apartment, not even knowing what I was walking into. Jordan was so upset and embarrassed, and he just kept begging me not to leave him, and truthfully, I was too shocked to even think about leaving him. Like the nurturing part in me wanted nothing more than to help him. After that day, I literally became a part of the FBI without a badge. For a week straight, I did nothing but research everything I possibly could on opiates. Heroin, pills, you name it, I was researching it. I barely ate or slept, and unfortunately, Jordan was still using during this time, but I would watch him so intently that I was learning the cues and the things to look for. The way his skin looked, the way he spoke, his pupils, his mannerisms. I truly learned every single detail that I could. I even had one of my best friends stay with me a few nights that had grown up around addicts and she walked me through it all and slept with me on the couch because I was petrified of who this person was in our home. Usually addicts are really sneaky about the things they do, but at that time, Jordan was leaving things out in the open for me to see and find. Needle caps, water bottle caps, cotton, packs of heroin, Later on, he admitted that he was doing that as a cry for help. He wanted me to tell him to stop so that he had a reason to stop because he knew that he couldn't do it on his own. After a week of being traumatized and learning everything that I could, I felt confident enough to confront him and throw an ultimatum at him. I planned an entire intervention out with some of his family and friends and held it in the apartment. And I'm not afraid to admit that we ambushed him that day. Me being the first person in the apartment and allowing everyone else in. Jordan knew it was coming because I had found his heroin stashed away the night prior and flushed it without telling him, but he knew that I knew. He literally sat on our couch and watched us all walk in and didn't even flinch at what was happening. All of us spoke to him that night, but I was the one that had told him it was either me or the drugs. I said I would be his friend and I would help him through it, but we couldn't be together and he couldn't live with me if he wanted to continue. Safe to say, he chose me and he never touched heroin again after that night. Months went by and, truthfully, I'm not really sure to this day if he had been secretly using during that time. Heroin is really easy to detect when someone is using it, but pills, on the other hand, were much harder Jordan had told me at one point that he never liked heroin and he considered it dirty, but it was cheap. His main drug of choice had always been pills, mostly Oxycontin, much more expensive. It wasn't until about August of that year when I had come face to face to another relapse. He had been traveling for work and whenever he was away from me and from home, he got really depressed and I think that's when his demons got to him the most. I found a needle stashed away a day after he came home from a two-week work trip, and I knew that we were starting all over again. From 2019 to the summer of 2021, we went back and forth between sobriety and relapses. It was always Oxycontin that he went back to. We tried literally everything together to beat that demon, and sometimes it looked really doable. I spent so much time researching everything under the sun to help him through it. 
We tried Suboxone, Kratom, every vitamin ever made. I even joined Facebook groups and Naranon groups online to learn what helped other addicts get clean so we could try it at home. Rehab was out of the question in his mind because he had a really good job and we struggled a lot financially with his drug usage. I always told him that we would figure it out, but he never wanted to leave me and always told me we couldn't afford it. I trusted him because he had been a few times before and I knew that he was more knowledgeable about it than me. The thing about rehabs and Suboxone and even Methadone, all of these things are just band-aids for an addict. I don't even know if I can say this on a public platform, but our government is trash. They literally do not give a shit about someone struggling with addiction. Rehab is insanely expensive, and if you can't afford it, more often than not, you're not going. Of course, you can get help from the state, but it takes a while to get placed, and the one thing that you cannot give an addict is time. When they're ready to go, they need to go right then and there. And most of the time, the reasoning behind that is because the withdrawals they know that are coming. Most addicts can't get clean because they get insanely sick. And what does anyone want when they're sick? to feel better. And what helps an addict feel better? Their drug of choice. It sounds wild to say this, but Jordan was a very smart addict. He was functioning to the fullest extent. He had a good job, a nice car, a girlfriend, a nice home. He went to family events, showed up for anything he needed to, had hobbies. So time after time, I took his lead and we did our own rehab at home together. He would tell me what he needed or what he knew would help, whatever symptom of withdrawal he was experiencing, and I would make a list and go buy it all. I would bathe him when he couldn't move because of his joints and muscles aching. I would make all types of cocktails of vitamins to help him sleep and get him through his work days. I would cook him foods that were easily soluble because it would be coming out of both ends, but I knew he needed to eat and stay hydrated. We literally were a team, and we did all of this together. It wasn't easy, but every time we did it, we got him sober again, and he stayed sober for however long he could hold out. You might be listening to this and thinking, well, this just sounds all horrible. But besides the addiction, our relationship truly was beautiful. I loved that man, and I will forever love that man with everything in me. I had never met a human that just clicked with me the way he did. Jordan loved me so fiercely and so deeply And I really don't think anyone will ever love me at the depths that he did. We never spent a day apart unless we had to. And most of our relationship was movies and snack nights, picking on each other with lame jokes, and my personal favorite, sending paragraphs to each other, confessing our love all the time. Jordan and I just got each other. We were best friends, lovers, and life partners through and through. We literally did nothing without the other, and that's truly how it always was until he wasn't here anymore. It didn't matter how mad we were at each other from the night before. He never left for work in the morning without giving me a kiss on the forehead and telling me he loved me. No matter where we were or what event we were at, he would always come up to me and whisper in my ear that I was the prettiest girl in the room. As much as we went through over the years, I would do it all over again because he was the best man to me. Our relationship will forever be one of the most amazing times of my life and credited to the reason I am who I am today. His addiction was the smallest and least interesting thing about him. 
He was the funniest dude, and you could always count on him to make a joke out of anything and everything. On the same token, when you needed him for a heart-to-heart or if you were struggling with something, he would talk with you for hours and even check on you for weeks after to make sure you were doing okay. He always put others first and would have given his last dollar to a stranger. In fact, I witnessed him actually give his last $5 bill to a homeless man on the street once. He would always say to me, everyone struggles, babe. You don't know someone's story or what they've been through. And that's just who Jordan was. Many people think and believe that addicts choose to be addicts. But I will argue until I'm blue in the face that this is the furthest thing from the truth. No one wakes up one day and says, wow, I think I want to get addicted to a substance and ruin my life. It sounds really stupid when you think about it that way. There were so many times that Jordan would relapse and I would find out or catch him and he would cry in my arms and tell me how much he hated what he was going through and how bad he wanted to stop. And there wasn't a single day that went by that I didn't wish that I could take all of that pain and struggle from him. Every single day, Jordan woke up and he fought. Even when he fell, he picked himself right back up and he fought. And I was always right next to him, fighting just as much as he was so that he knew he wasn't alone. Unfortunately, there comes a time when you've done all that you can do and you've tried everything possible and it still isn't enough. That day came for me when Jordan was introduced to fentanyl. That day happened in the fall of 2021 and as soon as I discovered what he was up against, I knew that this was almost entirely out of my hands. The thing about fentanyl is that it's the strongest and honestly the scariest substance out there in my opinion. I've always said becoming addicted to fentanyl is a life sentence. You either get clean from it or unfortunately it takes your life. Jordan was introduced to the fake pressed pills and although he struggled with addiction for about 11 years and knew the ins and outs of it all, fentanyl was a whole new ball game for him and I could see it. It was an extremely different type of high, extremely stronger, and he couldn't control it the way that he could with other opiates. I had never seen Jordan accidentally overdose himself once in our entire relationship until he became addicted to fentanyl. The first time it happened, I think it really scared him that he didn't know how to control what was happening. I mean, I was scared out of my mind myself, and I knew he saw that. I had taken photos of his wounds because when he fell out from it, he had fallen on the floor and scratched up one whole side of his body. I had started taking pictures and videos of him when he was high so that I could show him when he was sober what he looked like and why I was always so scared and upset. Most of the time, he didn't remember what happened during those times, so I wanted him to remember in hopes that it would help him fight a little bit harder the next day. Jordan didn't use every day, and he didn't use every other day either. He would use for a few days and then fight like hell to get and stay sober, and he would be able to for weeks. He attended NA meetings every Friday, and he played golf every Thursday. He kept himself busy, held himself accountable, and never missed a day of work from any of it either. The day after he overdosed himself, he asked me to send him the photos, and I did. He was at work at the time, and he made an entire album on his phone and labeled it Reasons to Fight. He had photos of himself, 
photos of himself high, photos of me and us, and photos of golf. All things he wanted to use to remind himself of the reason why he needed to fight for his sobriety. That day, he started making calls to rehabs and trying to get in for a detox so he could get the Vivitrol shot after. If you're unfamiliar with what that is, again, it's basically another band-aid for addicts. It's a slow-release shot that gets injected every 30 days and it blocks their opioid receptors so that they can't feel a high. Now, the scary part about this shot is that an addict can still use on it, but they would have to take a lethal dose in order to break through and fully saturate their receptors. Jordan had been on the shot prior to us dating, so he knew the risks and was scared of the shot to the point where he knew he wouldn't purposely use on it or try and break through it. At the end of the day, Vivitrol was our last hope at him reaching full sobriety. We both knew it and we both agreed that this was it. This had to be it. We couldn't get him into a rehab at the time because they wanted money up front that we couldn't afford and he needed to be at least 10 days clean before he could get the shot. Otherwise, he would go into immediate withdrawal. The shot pushes all traces of opiates off your receptors the minute it hits your body, so normal withdrawals is basically multiplied by 20 at that point. This had happened to him years prior, and he was in immense pain, and this is initially why the shot scared him in the first place. So we ended up doing our own detox. He gave me full control over his money, his debit cards, his car keys. He had nothing but besides his phone. We were with each other every minute I wasn't at work, and I would drive him to work in the morning and pick him up after. We did this together for 10 full days, and then he got his first shot. This was in January of 2022. February would have been his next shot, but his insurance and the doctor's office weren't in communication with one another, and the shot was delayed for about three weeks. Jordan ended up holding out for as long as he could, but unfortunately relapsed and we had to start over. March, April, and May were perfect. There were no issues. He got all of his shots, and I finally had the Jordan that I knew was there all along. And it was honestly amazing to watch him thrive and experience things sober. I will forever be grateful for those times because for once, neither of us had to worry. For so long, I had to play the good cop or the bad cop, and I made Jordan my main priority constantly. He had asked me to control all of our finances throughout our whole relationship, so I paid all the bills and always kept track of every cent. I had his location, he had mine. Whenever I questioned him or gave him ultimatums during his using times, he always willingly obliged. At the end of the day, it doesn't matter how badly you want someone to do something, they have to want to do it and actually do it on their own. Unfortunately, since Jordan started using substances so young and for so long, that's really all he knew. Living life sober, even with me or for me, it was hard for him to adjust fully. During the time of him being on the shot, he was still getting Xanax off the street to help him sleep and adjust. He had gotten too smart for me over the years, and I wasn't able to catch that happening. I knew in my head that his drug of choice was strictly opiates, so Xanax never even occurred to me that it would be something he would rely on. Sadly, he received Xanax that was pressed with fentanyl, and 
June of 2022 was when I lost him to fentanyl poisoning. Despite what other people may think or say now, I know deep down in my heart that Jordan was not looking to get high that night. He knew the risks and he knew what could happen. And I know with everything in me, he simply wanted to sleep that night. And that's why he got it. I know that the shot was doing its job because I'm almost positive he didn't feel the first pill he took, which then prompted him to take a second pill a few hours later. Ultimately, the amount of fentanyl in those pills was so potent that the second one is what poisoned him within minutes. Jordan was a fighter always. He never gave up on his sobriety. Almost 11 years he battled and he won so many times. People tell me all the time how strong and resilient I am after losing my parents and then him, but that doesn't even compare to the strength and resilience that he had. My life with Jordan was something that some people will never get to experience in their lifetime, despite the hard times. We were inseparable and deeply in love, and I will always feel so blessed that I was able to experience that with him. So many of the things that I do today, I do because of him. I learned so much from being with him, and I just hope that one day I can thank him for giving me the life that he did. Addiction is scary. It's traumatizing. It's exhausting. And being the sober one, it's heartbreaking when you have to watch someone you love struggle with it. Selfishly, I'll always wish that he was here. But deep down, I know that it would be completely unfair because he never has to experience what he did here on earth ever again. If you or someone you know is struggling with addiction, please just know that you are never alone there really are so many people out there and so many resources to help you. If you're the sober one like I was in a situation with an addict, please remember that it's not your fault and you cannot save them. They have to figure it out on their own. They have to want it. Jordan wanted it more than anything. But at the end of the day, I think I wanted it more for him. Addiction is a disease and it's a disease that can't be cured. Addicts can become sober, of course, but you have to understand that every day that they wake up, they have to choose sobriety. They have to choose to keep living. Unless you've struggled yourself, you'll never understand the depths of it. And I hope that if you have never had to, you never do. I'll never know exactly what Jordan went through. Although he was my other half, I can never understand the hell he endured. No one besides him and I will ever know the details of our relationship and the things we got through together. And some things I'll never even be able to share because I hold that sacred. If you're listening to this and you need help in any shape or form, find any way to contact me and I will do everything in my power to get you the help that you need. You are not alone and you are so much stronger than you think. Let's end the stigma together.